Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Philbin, financial coach, accredited financial counselor, certified money coach, and founder of the 4,000 Person Strong Financial Coaches Community Facebook group. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. I'm a tenured professor, a serial entrepreneur, a certified financial planner, and I run a nonprofit organization that provides financial planning resources to over 100,000 families each year. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal coaching business. Hi, everyone. Garrett Philbin, the founder of the Financial Coaches Community, and I am excited to be on for another edition of these. Facebook Lives. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Escalante Troche, and we're really, really excited to be on for another edition of these. And the reason why I'm excited, because we're talking about a topic that, well, is pretty much relevant to any aspiring or current financial coach, which is around the topic of getting clients. This is what we get the most questions about in this community by far. Would you agree? Yeah. And it's also historically the number one response to the question of what are you struggling with when people answer those questions when they first join? A hundred percent. And not unique to financial coaches, right? not just unique to any kind of coaches. I would certainly say this is a, the biggest challenge for pretty much all businesses, but specifically, you know, service-based businesses, coaching field, this is the biggest. And so what we're going to be talking about today specifically is what are the most effective marketing strategies to get clients? Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a fun one. We're going to give you just the magic formula. You know, if you do ABC, you will magically get more clients in your client basket than you could ever just be able to hold. I don't know why client basket, but that's what we're You go down to the client store and you put clients in your client basket and then you pay for the clients at the register. I mean, I don't know why everyone thinks this is so hard. Yeah, really. Well, this was a nice short episode. Thanks everyone for joining right. as always. <laughs> so obviously that's that's not the case. That's not it. Yeah. Not the case. So where do you want to start? And I have an inkling of where <laughs> we're going to start with this because I know what what had me struggling in the first place. And if I may go so far as to say what I think the potential topic will be, it depends on your niche. Yeah. Yeah. The reality is there is no silver bullet. You know, you're not, there's, although people try to push lots of stuff that say, if you do this, you know, if you do Facebook ads or if you do emails, you will get clients. And of course there are ads that will show up on your feeds where people will say, there are no silver bullets. You know, it's not about ads. It's not about this, by the way, I have the silver bullet. So come to my site and pay me a bunch of money. A lot of lack of meta cognition there, (laughs) but the... But as we look at this idea, there isn't really a silver bullet. It's going to depend on your clients. Facebook is oftentimes seen as a, oh, Facebook advertising is amazing. And don't get me wrong, it is. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your clients are on Facebook. You know, people tend to think, well, everyone has a Facebook. No, about 70% of people have a Facebook, which is still huge numbers wise, but it's not everyone. In addition to that, just because people have a Facebook does not necessarily mean that they are actively using it. So I love the way that you say a Facebook. 
it makes me think of like the Google. So it's like yeah, they have the just Google, a, a book a with Facebook. all these faces in it. And it's like only 70% yeah. of people carry books with faces in it. Yeah. The I internet. Just, <laughs> yeah. Continue. I just really appreciated that. It's just too long to say a Facebook profile. Oh, the struggle is real. So when you have a, you have a person like myself, for example, right? Obviously I have a Facebook page. Obviously I'm involved in multiple groups. Obviously I, well, not obviously. I also have a Facebook page for my business. I also have a group for my nonprofit, right? So there's, a, I have a lot of Facebook quote unquote assets. Yep. I am a horrible person to advertise through, to fit through Facebook because the way I use Facebook is I literally go on it. I look at three things that I'm doing for business purposes, yeah. right? And then I get off of it. I don't scroll through Facebook. I don't look at the advertising. I, I, it's not, I'm very, very, okay, I'm going to run, I'm going to update ads. So I go into ads manager, update the ads, get off of Facebook. Okay, I'm going to look at the posts in financial coach community. So I go in, I click on financial coach community, look through the recent posts, and then get off of it. So the way that you're using it doesn't make you a, a good advertising target. Good yeah. advertising target. And so you really have to think about, and then even with if someone does is scrolling through Facebook, right? There are people when they're scrolling through Facebook, all they're scrolling through it for is talking with other moms and dads groups about their kids and catching up and posting about their kids. And so all their mindset is about their kids. And so advertising to them for things not related to their kids, they're not in that mindset. So it's not going to connect with them. They're not going to see it. Yeah. Right? This reminds me of one of the things that you talk about in launch is you know, knowing where the customers are in their journey and where mm -hmm. they're looking for services like yours, if they are in that journey. I think both journey in terms of awareness, like zero awareness of what financial coaching is to like the desire to, to start higher financial yeah. coach, but also where like location wise, mm -hmm. they are in the headspace, in the mindset of yeah. showing interest and a willingness to engage with someone you know, like a financial coach. And I think this is a great example where like, sure, it could be Facebook, mm -hmm. but if they're just going on to share baby photos and talk about their kids, then they're not in that literal headspace. Yeah. And that's not the physical Look place. At. Yeah. And so it's very important that you really think about and research and understand who your niche is, what they're, what media they consume, what they're thinking about when they're consuming that media in order to figure out where to get clients. Yep. And this doesn't, you know, we talked about Facebook advertising. The same thing is true for Facebook groups. The same thing is true for almost anything. You know, there's a lot of groups that are, have 500,000 members and no activity in it whatsoever, no engagement. And so just because you have a lot of people in your groups and just because you are posting regularly does not mean that you're necessarily going to get any traction out of it. Right? Yeah. They could be joining your group for the free content and not really even interested. And yeah. Or they could join the group because they thought, you know, this is the year that I am going to get my finances in order. I'm going to subscribe to these five podcasts. I'm going to join this group. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then a week later. And then it wasn't the year. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, they're, they're in your group. You're 
they're quote unquote seeing your content. They're not, but they're seeing your content when you're posting it. But it's not going to make a difference because it's not the right place at the right time for them. So where do you fall on the spectrum of finding alignment with what like coaches like to do or how they like to show up and matching that with the potential medium? So for example, like you can be successful doing a newsletter. You can be successful using Facebook ads. You can be successful on Instagram. Like, are you one of those that's like, you know, find what you actually love to do and just stick with that? Or do you feel like, you know, in some cases based on your niche, you may need to be on a platform that you don't necessarily love right yet. And then you learn to love it or maybe somewhere in between. Yeah, it's kind of in between and neither, which is it has to start with your niche, right? It has to start with, I mean, you may love doing blues, clues, uh, parody videos. And so that's what you're going to do is blues, clues, parody videos. I thought my channel was private. How did you know that I started doing this? It's so weird. Continue. (laughs) But if your audience is um, 60-year-old people without kids, it doesn't matter how much you love it. They're never going to engage with you. But what if I make my content so amazing that their children tell them about, okay, no, I get your point. Yeah. And so you have to start with who is your audience, right? You have to start with what are they consuming? What do they like? And then amongst that subset, Absolutely. Look at the thing that the the thing that you would feel most comfortable showing up in, but don't start with what you love and expect your niche, your prospects, your ideal client to come to you. Right. Yeah. Right. Start with what they love and then figure out, okay, what would I feel comfortable doing? And maybe you get lucky. And the thing that you love to do is on that list. But I do feel that it's important to be comfortable, right? If you're uncomfortable doing video, don't do video. You're not going to come across as a person that feels trustworthy, right? But just because you love doing video does not mean that you necessarily should have a YouTube channel. It's a good point because I think if you follow that path further, if you love doing video and keep doing video and get no results from doing video, you probably won't love doing video, uh, at least within the context of using it as a tool to get paying clients. And so that's really the first thing is, is you know, if you want to go fishing, you, you don't head to Vegas. Well, I mean, you could, you can go out to the river, but you get the idea, right? You, you go where the fish are. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And so for me, we were talking in the launch office hours just before this one of the members brought up like therapists as a potential mm-hmm. referral partner. So for me, most of my clients actively are in therapy. So like therapist could be a good referral source for me. And so saying, okay, that could be a place to go fish, but do I like connecting one-on-one or doing that type of outreach to gain clients? Right. You know, right. I also work with aspiring business owners. And so there are groups, Facebook groups that are geared towards, you know, people who want to quit the nine to five and start their own business. And it's like, okay, that. I could fish there, but do I have the bandwidth to be in another Facebook group and checking the feed? And so seeing, okay, here are different places where they do hang out. Instagram would be another, but do I have the bandwidth for that? Do I enjoy it? Um, So that's just to use some personal examples, the way that I look at it is like, okay, there are different ways that I can do this, but what, yeah, out of those three or, you know, the multiple that are beyond that, like LinkedIn, 
people working in careers that want to get the hell out, that could also be a good spot. But how do I, do I enjoy that platform or not? Mm -hmm. Or think that I could find a way to actually engage with it in a way that adds value and makes people want to connect with me. Yeah. And it's also important that you realize that you're not, one thing is not going to do it. Right. It's not it, like the uh, Lord of the Rings type. One of ring to rule them all. Yeah. yeah. One marketing strategy to rule forever. Yeah. So, you know, very rarely are prospects convinced by an ad for, for anything, right? Very rarely is it an ad that causes someone to buy. Now, people will put down, where did you hear about us? Oh, I saw this ad. But that was the end of a very long journey that they went through. Mm -hmm interacting with the brand, interacting with other elements within the marketing campaign, watching other ads, and all of those things build up to them identifying, oh, this is the last ad that I saw, and that's the thing that got me to go and buy, but it really wasn't, right? And so it's also important to realize that any type of strategy that you're using, a strategy is a progression. It's an ecosystem marketing ecosystem. And yes, there may be certain strategies that are very effective to get people into that marketing ecosystem. There may be certain strategies that are very effective to get people to convert over to, yes, let's do a a discovery call. Let's sit down and do our initial sales call, right? But they're probably not going to be the same thing. And there's probably going to be steps in between them that in order to have an effective thing that actually does generate referral clients, you know, it's about getting people in, starting to engage, going through a series of processes, and then finally at the end, having a mechanism, right? When I say mechanism, I mean like a Facebook group or an ad on Facebook or a blog or whatever that then gets them to turn over to scheduling a meeting, right? And that's truly what ad campaigns, well-done ad ad campaigns do, is it's not just a bunch of random ads with the same tagline. It's helping to guide people on that journey. And each ad does a very different piece of the steps, right? And so that's, that's a big part of the challenges that people have when they're starting off is we have this experience of, oh, I bought this because of this ad. Because that's the thing we remember, right? It's the last thing we did, but we don't really have this this strong understanding of all the exposures, all the interactions, all of the advertising elements that we as a consumer experience leading up to that. And so we have this expectation that, oh, if I could just figure out the right ad, if I can just figure out the right email or the right way to write a blog or whatever it is, then I can accomplish it. And we also get frustrated and give up because, well, God, this blog isn't working, right? Well, it probably never was going to work because it's not necessarily the blog is bad, although maybe it is, but it's that the other parts weren't there. Mm. The other pieces weren't there. I assume the answer will be, it depends, Mm -hmm. but general recommendation for coaches to get started or when they're getting started, should they focus on like one particular channel and try to move people from awareness to yeah. feeling comfortable to sales within that one channel. For example, Instagram, 
right? Using hashtags to get people to discover you, then getting them to know, like, and trust you through the posts, and then creating posts or doing lives saying, hey, now you can buy, or doing that across maybe a couple different mediums, such as going on podcasts to get people to hear about you at the end of the podcast says, follow my Instagram, and then kind of point them to different places that can serve different purposes, maybe a bit more effectively. What are your thoughts? So the answer to that is it definitely does not depend when you're starting off, right? There's one thing and one thing only you should do when you're starting off. And that is stop playing long games and expecting them to be short games, right? Mm. So many people, it would be the equivalent of not just financial coaches, right? But so many financial coaches sign up for a marathon and they say, okay, great. I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for this marathon and I'm going to practice for this marathon so that I can cross the finish line in two minutes. That, that's not how marathons work. Right? So an example of this would be me starting a blog or doing a newsletter when I first got started as a coach six and a half years ago and saying, man, why am I not getting clients from this in the first three to six months without really having a strategy for it and never actually putting an ask out there for to yeah. get clients, just kind of putting content into the wind. And, and hoping that it magically creates clients. Yeah. I'm doing a newsletter. I hear this works. Right. And newsletters absolutely do work three or four years into doing them when you're consistently publishing twice a month or once a month or once a week, right? Yeah, three or four years in, it will start generating clients. Same thing with an other factors as well, right? But they're not, they're not short-term strategies. Short-term strategies are leveraging the people you already have personal relationships with, right? And that's why so often we say, start with your, the people who know, like, and trust you already. Yeah. So that's one-on-one -on -one conversations or sharing about what you do on your personal social media profiles, you know, build credibility first. We walk people through that in launch, how yeah. to do that, but it's a definitely, yes, yeah, start with your, the people who already know you, mm -hmm. like, and trust you. Otherwise it is a much longer game. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of this industry or this method methodology, but you can learn a lot from it, which is multi-level marketing, right? MLMs, whether they are financial product sales MLMs or selling knives door to door, right? None of them say, all right, you're in the MLM. Great. Let's get you starting to sell. Go out and start writing a blog for the next two years, right? That is not what they do. And the reason why is because it doesn't work in the short term. And of course, MLMs, it's a burn and churn type thing. So it's all about short-term results. And so because in the beginning, you need those short-term results, most people are not saying, what marketing could I do and invest my time in for the next four years so that I can get my first client four years from now, right? That's not the question people are asking, right? And so, you know, look at the MLMs, you know, what they do is they say, hey, go out, talk to your family, talk to your friends, find out who might need this service, practice giving presentations to them, right? Those are the types of, now in launch, that's not the methodology we, we teach. We talk about, you're not reaching out to your family and friends in order for them to be a client, right? There's a, there's a strategy where you're reaching out to them, but it's not to get them to be clients. 
right? And that's a, that's a key difference. But the basic ideas of utilizing your existing network, getting in front of people, talking to people, not so that you can sell to friends and family, but so that you can have these more shorter term successes with regards to getting clients, that's what's going to be effective. Your most effective methods of marketing early on are going to be personal interactions, conversations, talking with people. The stuff that usually is more scary and mm-hmm. confronting and likely why we go to, and I went to things like a newsletter or yeah. a blog or social media that while it still can feel like selling or feel a bit confronting, not so in the same way of like going door to door. And I like how you brought up the MLMs because it's, it is important to say, you know, let's not throw the entire baby out with the bathwater. Like, yeah, right. selling people stuff they don't need and being really aggressive and having business models that don't put the client first. Yeah, targeting that. your friends and family, right? Yeah. yeah, don't do that. That's not good business. But also let's not lose sight of the aspect of what elements there are helpful for building right. a client base. And like you said, getting clients now versus two, three, four years from now. Yeah, they're pushing these strategies because they work, because they know they work. And they've got a huge sample set of of examples for this, right? Yeah. So let's take that and just get rid of the stuff that's icky. I like that. Right. Yeah, that's great. That also means a lot of people say, oh, I had a lot of success with referral partners. Most of the time they've had that success with referral partners, it's because they already had a relationship with that referral partner. Right. Yeah. You've had success with referral partners and it wasn't from blind emailing people. Yeah. Right. You it's went to a I went to, yeah. So I planning network conferences for four years in a row. Right. And you built personal relationships with people. Right. And so, you know, the, the stuff that's going to work is the stuff that's scary. Right? That's the reality. That needs to be a quote somewhere. Someone, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to write that in the comments to remind us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if, and if you're not a little bit scared, it probably means that you are avoiding the thing that works in hopes of a silver bullet, in hopes of a thing that, oh, I can, without getting out of my comfort zone, magically do a bunch, right? And that can work. It just, you're going to have to invest in it for five years without ever knowing if it's going to work. And there are always going to be people who have shorter term success. Of course. Find yeah. an app. There's outliers. Like yeah. Right. And they yeah. crush it and they just love it and they use it. I, I was um, giving a networking chat for the AFCP symposium yesterday. There's a woman who's just like been really successful in social media in the first couple mm-hmm. of years, but she, you can tell in the way she talked about it, she just intuitively understands how to make connections, how to use social media. She also was very proactive in reaching out to people who she already knew on there that were like similar or not the same service providers, but offered services to her niche. And so reached out to them, scheduled lives. So she, while using social media, I think also used some of the same ways of approaching it that like the MLMs do, like pounding the payment, reaching out to people and engaging directly one-on-one that helped make her successful on social media. Yeah. And and I think that's really important because she didn't, she wasn't successful on social media, Hmm. right? Social media just happened to be the last step in a whole bunch of other stuff that she did that supported that, that ecosystem. 
And a lot of that other stuff was not social media based, right? It was pounding the pavement. It was reaching out to people. It was making connections. It was, I already have these relationships. So here's how best I can use them. Well, it's, it's interesting because in that I can kind of see it both ways. Like she was on Instagram, making those connections and reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. Right. So technically she was using social media, but I think a lot of ways that people think of using social media is posting content consistently. Right. And then hoping, yeah, you know, like hoping you use the right hashtags. And that is an aspect of it. But right. she was using the kind of old style techniques, if you will, of just like pounding the pavement, but mm-hmm. in a digital platform. So just translating what's been done for forever into yeah. that particular medium. Yeah. And that idea of it being an ecosystem, if it's not just as simple as post content regularly and clients will come. Don't get me wrong. There's lots of people that will tell you to do that because that helps to sell their product, right? Their marketing product, right? That silver bullet, that's not going to be scary. It's just not a reality. And then the the other thing that you always want to be wary of is just because someone's successful at something, just because lots of people are successful at something does not mean it's a good idea. Does not mean that you should do it, even if there's lots of people that are successful at it. As an example, what would you say to a client that said, oh, I've got a foolproof retirement plan. I buy lottery tickets every single week. It's probably not the best Odds or you, you know, Garrett, you just don't understand how the lottery works. You're, you're just, you don't understand. I mean, there are people that win the lottery every single month. I mean, it happens all over the country. Point taken. Right. Just because there are people consistently being successful with stunting does not mean it's a good strategy. (laughs) Good point. Right. Yeah. And, And that's, that's another thing that you want to be very wary of is when people point to, well, here are successes. Is that a representative sample of what a typical person's experience is going to be? Or is this just the few people that have, through a combination of hard work, good strategy, and luck, yeah. just happened to have gotten it? Probably final question. Yeah. You know, we talked about strategies that are much more short term, mm-hmm. such as pounding the pavement, like literally knocking on doors, talking to friends and family. Versus longer term newsletters, more like social media, et cetera. Where do you stand on recommending uh, only the former? Right. So only pounding the pavement in the beginning. Do you recommend mm-hmm. kind of starting with one or two, maybe like one short term and one long term to kind of, you know, get started as quickly as possible with that long term strategy or start the short term for a while until you start getting clients and then starting a longer term strategy? Yeah, the so I'll I'll preface it with I'm not against starting a blog while you are actively doing the short term strategies just to have blogs out there so that when you're ready to transition to the blog, you kind of have this history, right? I'm not against that idea, but there's a huge danger in it. And that danger is it's the safe thing. Right. Maybe for you, it's not a blog because you hate writing. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's a YouTube video. Maybe it's posting on Instagram, whatever it happens to be. Right. But that's the safe thing. And the that safe thing, you are always going to be drawn to spend more time on it. You are always going to be drawn to, well, let, let's let's 
get a new editing software and learn how to do that editing software because you're enjoying it. And all of that time is going to be time taken away from your ability to get the short-term, do the short-term activities that will bring clients in the short-term. And that's the real danger of it is that you, you spend more and more of your time on those longer term activities, you feel justified in doing it because, oh, I am bringing in clients. And maybe some of them did mention the blog because that was the last thing they read before they reached out to you, right? And, um, and, And that can really slow down the growth of your business. In that er- in those early stages, uh, I tend to view those longer term strategies as things that, if you are, can be really disciplined about keeping time creep from expanding and saying, "I'm I am no matter what, I'm going to spend a maximum of one hour a week on this, and that is going to be the maximum I'm going to do, and I will not do any more than that." That includes researching it, looking at new equipment, right, all the stuff that goes into it. And I'm going to spend the rest of my time doing these other things. And I'm going to continue to do this until I'm making enough money to hire other people to help me expand that area, <laughs> right? So I'm still only spending an hour a week. I've just changed the hour of week that I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the type of thing that you would want to do if you wanted to incorporate that long-term strategy in, because it is so tempting, right? It is so enticing because it's safe, because it's not scary, because it's got the promise of, well, with with a single blog, I can reach 5,000 people. And with a phone call, I can only do one person in that 20 minute phone call. Right. Um, It's just, it's just so likely to kind of just take over. Right. And with the number of podcasts that are out there, it's, it, 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 there's a lot of people that have businesses where they've got podcasts and the business just doesn't do anything, but the podcast is continuing to go because it's the safe thing and it's fun. And you've got all these vanity metrics of, Ooh, I got 20 new subscribers, right? You, uh, well, I know that feeling all too well. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at the analytics and just be like, yep. yeah, bounce time or new users, all yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's something that you want to be very cautious of if you're going to do both at the same time. Cool. It's just keeping it contained. Awesome. Fire is great in your house, just not everywhere in your house, right? In the fireplace, cool, right? You don't want it to spread. <laughs> no, you you do not. Uh, yeah. This is great. Um, anything else that we didn't touch upon that you want to make sure we do? No, I, I think that the big thing is really thinking about the relationships you already have and just thinking about strategically, how can I leverage those relationships, right? That trust. Um, that's a big part of what we talk about in launch as part of the marketing and launch and how to do that. But for those of you who are not ready for, the, for FCM launch yet, that's the thing to start thinking about, right? How can I leverage? How can I figure out these relationships that I already have, these people that already know me and like me and trust me, how can I leverage those relationships without just becoming that person that's selling to everyone that I talk to and all my friends? Yeah. Right. Not becoming that person trying to push whole life on your friends and family. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
And so just kind of, that's the first place to start to really think about and then go from there. Awesome. Well, thanks. As always, I enjoy these conversations. Thanks for everyone who was able to catch this live. If you have any questions as you are uh, watching this replay, go put them in the comments. Make sure to tag Josh and myself so that we're able to uh, get notified of the question. And we will be on next week, same time, same place, uh, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we will, we know that um, not everyone is available at this time. So soon, we don't have an exact date for it, but soon uh, these Facebook Lives will be turned into podcasts. So you'll be able to uh, just subscribe to the Financial Coaches Network podcast. You'll be able to get these then auto-downloaded for you. So we know that it's not always super convenient to try to find these in the Facebook feed scroll or to be available at this time. So we're super excited about being able to um, make that available. And good news, it doesn't take too much more of our time, you know, in the same vein of like, do what um, brings the results. But also if you're not going to do the super short-term strategy, make sure it doesn't take up too much time. You know, we're just saying we already are creating weekly content. We can hire people to create the show notes to mm-hmm. be able to edit the podcast episode, to upload it. And it won't take really any of our time moving forward, just a couple hours of setup. So we do try to take our own advice here. This is not the first thing that we did uh, in getting Financial Coaches Network off the ground, um, but we're excited for that. And so that will hopefully be out in the next couple of weeks, uh, certainly by the end of the year. So Josh, thanks as always, and we'll be on next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when a new episodes are released and it helps iTunes and Stitcher and everyone else know that you like the podcast so it recommends it to other people. And if you can think of one person, either a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with and be helped by what we talked about today, share it with them as well. And if you're ready to build a successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with those clients, and run your business efficiently. Head to financialcoachesnetwork.com backslash start here. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.